0: movies where guys get together to shoot the breeze and talk about our favorite movies and the lessons they teach us about being a man. Just a quick intro, as always, I'm JB, I'm a husband, a father of two, a son, a brother, and I'm not an expert on any of those things, but I do the best that I can. I have a passion for film and a passion for discipleship, so why not mix the two? Movies can teach us a lot about life, and that's what I want to dive into. So, let's get started. Joining me today is my long lost buddy, Patch. <laughs> Patrick Hicks. What's going on, Patrick? Hey, man. It's good to
1: good to see you again. Good to be here on your uh, your new venture into the podcasting
0: world. Yes, sir. I, I've had Patch on my other podcasts about a couple of years ago, the SEC podcast, and I think I was on one episode of feeling and Film with you. Yeah, you came on
1: for uh, it was Varsity Blues, I believe it was when we were in the. Uh, the high school football kind of phase of our of our podcast we were doing a couple we did that in friday night lights but you came on to give props to uh to that great movie
0: in varsity blues that's right y'all's greatest episode ever greatest <laughs> episode ever i don't want your laugh. i don't I want don't your, your lie <laughs> oh scary superstar man that that's a great movie um, it is maybe it i'll really get to is. that one one of these days <laughs> i'm sure it's got some manly moments i could explore probably Probably. Probably. Uh, Well, first of all, why don't you tell the listeners what you've been watching recently that you might want to uh, recommend to anybody? Absolutely.
1: Well, for the last several weeks and probably the last several months, I've been watching a lot of television. And the most recent set of television I've been watching is uh, Star Trek Voyager, which was a show that came out on a now defunct network, UPN. I think it was eventually bought by The CW or the WB or any other kind of call sign, <laughs> ultimately it is now owned by Paramount or CBS. And when I was growing up in uh, high school and college, I started watching it, but never finished it. And this is in the days before DVR and TiVo and all those type of things. And the VHS world that I don't know if a lot of your listeners are going to know about was my cup of tea in terms of taping things. And I didn't get a chance to tape a lot of them. So long story short, I wanted to go back through that series, but like most television series that are on network television or were on network television, one, there are tons of them if they're successful. And two, they are at least 20 episodes a piece. I don't have that kind of time, especially for a 45 minute experience for each episode. And so IMDB, which is one of the best websites for learning about any movie movie or television show or actor or actress whatever also has a great list of what are called the essential episodes of a particular series and so i did a quick search for essential episodes star trek voyager and what it did was there's a list that basically curates all the episodes in order that you should watch for the sake of the overall narrative of the series as well as really good one-off episodes, which is nice because I was familiar enough with the characters that when I would read the synopses, I would be like, okay, this is kind of cool. And so I essentially plowed through that series over the course of several weeks. Some nights I would be recording late. And so like any recording, if I'm if I'm talking for a long time, I'm not tired afterwards. So I would usually wind down with an episode of Voyager. So I finished that up about a week ago. Really good series. Uh, I think it's six or seven seasons if you're a Star Trek fan, which I guess I've become more of a casual fan of the Star Trek in general. It makes me want to watch some of the new stuff like Picard, Discovery, Strange New Worlds. So I was doing that. Um, I've also started my the same thing for Star Trek The Next Generation, which I actually have that series, but I haven't watched every single episode. I will watch my favorite ones over and over again. And so I thought this would be a great kind of exercise in discipline to go through the essential episodes of Star Trek, the next generation. And so these are, I would consider sort of comfort shows, things that I don't feel like I have to necessarily obviously cover for a podcast or that I have to feel like I'm getting FOMO because so many people are talking about them, like your stranger things or your Barry or your Cobra Kai. Unfortunately, because I'm spending most of my time watching those things. I don't get to spend a lot of time watching other stuff other than what we cover for our uh, feeling film episode. So recently watched Top Gun Maverick. Absolutely loved it. Watched it again. Uh, two days later, my wife and I got to experience it together for the first time. And then we got to invite two of our friends that we had a Memorial Day cookout with to experience it with us. And it was so cool just to be able to kind of say, yes, we've completely endorsed this. And we want to be there when you experience it, because it's fantastic. So that's been my last couple of weeks in terms of movie and TV stuff.
0: Nice. I, too, watched Top Gun Maverick this past week. I watched Top Gun, the original, a couple of days before. Because I actually had not seen it in about ten years, probably, and I always considered it one of my favorites. But man, watching it again, it just brought back so many memories. And it's really it's good, just, it's <laughs> so really, good, man, really good. so 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 good. <laughs> but the new one, Maverick, like I, I'm not gonna say it's as good or better. I'm gonna say it's up there. Like I think we'll be looking at this twenty years from now as as that that great movie. That like, there's no agenda there's no deconstruction of characters there's no politics which is what i would expect in a 2022 movie that involves military right none in this movie yeah. so like it's just it is a perfect continuing of the character of maverick and this next chapter in his life and it's just i, I loved it so much man I, I just it was exactly what i wanted. actually better than i expected
1: There's a level of purity, I think, in movies like that, whether they're original properties or sequels that feel capsuled. They feel timeless because of the fact that they're not associating the situation that you're in with a current event. Now, there's a place for that. And I think, obviously, with the world that we live in, the social media, the political stuff that we're in, there are opportunities for that especially when it comes to like representation and those types of things. And that's fine that there are places for that, but what makes Top Gun great as a property is the fact that you can watch Top Gun from 1986 and it doesn't feel like a movie from 1986. Same thing with I think on your your Tombstone episode. It doesn't feel like a movie like a western made in the 90s. It feels like a western. Mm-hmm. So when you take Top Gun Maverick and you take that same kind of blanket of tone and isolation the fact that there is and this doesn't really spoil anything if people haven't seen it yet the two people that haven't um (laughs) if you've got the fact that you don't have a named enemy that they're going after in the final mission the same thing happened in 1986 although there was some allusion to to russia because of the cold war Mm. the fact is both movies clearly do not point the finger at a particular country or a particular enemy And I think that's what makes it great and what makes it such a rewatchable movie, both of these, is not only are they exciting, the practical effects are just off the wall great, but the story itself is never about what's going on in the world. The story is about Maverick. It's about his relationships with Goose, his relationship with Charlie, his relationship with Penny, his relationship with Rooster, and his growth path. And that's Mm -hmm. what you get from Top Gun to Top Gun Maverick. And that's what, I think that's a seamless transition even so many years later to see both these movies almost elevate each other. Watching the first one prior to, and then again afterwards, my wife didn't watch it. She watched it afterwards and sort of rewatching parts of it with with her. The script is so phenomenal. The lines are great. The delivery and all those different things. It's such a just, it's refreshing. And, And again, not every movie has to be Top Gun. But not every movie has to be Zootopia either. So you've got Mm -hmm. these types of, and that's what makes movie making a great art form is you can tell a story. You can tell a story based off of what you you know. You look at television series like The West Wing, clearly it's got a Democratic slant to it as opposed to a Republican slant. Why? Because Aaron Sorkin has that kind of knowledge. Should he apologize for that? Absolutely not. He'll deny it. But the fact is when you have a Democratic president and you have what are called you know, left-wing or liberal ideologies in a TV series like that, don't apologize for it. That's what you know. What I do like about that series, and not to get into that, is the fact that there is a balance and that it's never in- apparent to me that it's about the Democrats being the winners and the Republicans being the losers. It's about the story of life behind the White House walls. And that's the story he's telling. It's fantastic, comedic. It's definitely the best writing Know, television writing because it's Aaron Sorkin. But again, there's places for that. And if you can appreciate that, then go ahead and walk in and enjoy that. But then you have movies like Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, that isolate themselves, that don't have to be influenced by the world around them. And if you can tell
0: a great story without that, man, that's just as successful. Absolutely, man. Like you said, there's a purity about that, that you have to appreciate. As far as other new movies go, I did I've been trying to catch up on 2022s because I I, I watch a lot of older stuff and I get behind. I checked out The Lost City, which was great. Ambulance was really cool, man. I, I I really enjoyed that. And I don't I don't I like most of the Michael Bay movies that I've watched outside of the Transformer movies. So then there's that. And then recently, as in yesterday, I watched the new Adam Sandler basketball movie called Hustle. That's coming out on Netflix on June the 8th, I believe. That will be this coming Wednesday. Uh, I got a free screener to watch that yesterday. And I really, really enjoyed it. It's Adam Sandler in more of a dramatic role like we saw in Uncut Gems. And like we've seen in other things like, uh, what's that PTA movie he did? Punch Dark Love. But mainly the Uncut Gems where he's really kind of breaking out in this super dramatic role he's He plays a a basketball recruiter who wants to be a coach and he wants to be close to his family, so there's a lot of husband and father elements in there that i that I kind of was drawn to with him being on the road all the time and wanting to be home he wants to be a coach so he can stay home and he just kind of pours into this one kid that he's recruiting that he he basically puts all of his eggs into him. Because he has a, a situation going on to where he has to throw it all in on this one kid. And you see him take on this role as the father figure to him because the dad's the per- the, the kid's dad isn't in the picture. And so he has to basically be this father figure for him. And this kid also has a, a child that he's away from because the daughter and his mother are both back in spain while he's in america trying to make it to the nba so you have that element. It's the first time he's ever been away from her so there's a lot going on with this film from a, a male perspective as a dad as a husband and so it's re- it's a really cool film i highly recommend it check it out one more i wanted to mention because my wife and i went back and watched this with ray leota passing this past week who was one of my wife's favorite actors uh, we watched Karina Karina from nineteen ninety four. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, man, with uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and it's it's a really cool film. I mean, it's not like a, a masterpiece by any means, but it's it's got music as a backdrop. But it's it's about race in the nineteen fifties America, and two people who developed into an interracial couple. So it's 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 a really cool film about. And if you haven't seen it, my gosh, the movie's thirty years old, close to thirty years old. Go check it out. It's good. It's the first time that I've watched it since the mid-90s, and i picked up on a lot of the themes that I didn't understand when I was a kid. It's a good one to revisit. Excellent. Anyway, the movie that we're talking about today is none other than the 1976 John Avildsen movie, but let's just be honest. Uh, let's be real about this. We know that Stallone directed this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That was that was his baby. He wrote it for himself, and he was dying on this, that he was going to be the the, the star of this movie. And we're talking about none other than Rocky. So, Patch, real quick, why don't you just kind of talk about your history with this movie when you first saw it, why it stuck out as something that you want to talk about today. I
1: had grown up in the 80s, so my first entry into Rocky was actually the third entry, where he takes on... Mr. T. And Rocky 3 is a very 80s movie. I mean not like the 80s styles or whatever, but it feels very 80s soundtrack, rock and roll, a lot of you know action, high energy. The production value is really good at the time you know the, the fight sequences are, are just tight and they're fast and they you know you could feel the heavy punches that Clubber Lang is laying on Rocky and back and forth. And then I watched Rocky IV, which I think is most of my generation's favorite Rocky movie because it encapsulates a great montage. It encapsulates this microcosm of the Cold War. It's you against you. It's you know. It's uh, it's a paradox that drives us. wild. you know. It's this great.
0: Everyone can change. Yeah, you can
1: change. <laughs> we can change. I'm like yeah, I can't change because <laughs> I don't want to change. Um, and then Rocky V happened and. You know, life got worse. Uh, It was kind (laughs) of like COVID hit the Rocky franchise. And so then we get Rocky Balboa, which I consider the definitive conclusion to the Rocky franchise. Of course, we get Creed and Creed 2. Rocky is, of course, in that, but he is not the main character, which I love. That was a worry of mine. I was like, okay, look, you're landing the plane and you landed it so well with Rocky Balboa. Please do not ruin that. And as you mentioned, Stallone's story as an actor, I think, is played out in the life of Rocky Balboa in the same way that Tom Cruise is with Maverick. We talked about that on our Feel and Film episode. So if you get a chance to listen to that, give yourself two hours and 28 minutes or however long we record it because our conversation was long and involved. And part of it was talking about this parallel between the, the actor and the character, You know, the actor Tom Cruise and then the character of Maverick. So to answer your question, I really didn't get over the first two Rocky movies until I hit my early twenties. And it was on during finals week in college when I was uh, studying or when I was quote studying, I wasn't studying. I was eating French fries and drinking milkshakes from McDonald's and watching TV and hoping (laughs) that I would graduate in four years. Uh, But I remember seeing it on television and I was like, okay, I can, I can appreciate this. And as you get older, JB, you know, you sort of appreciate older movies you go back to the gone with the winds and the casablancas and you go okay i can appreciate what these are but for the longest time you know when you compare something like rocky III with all of its slickness and the you know brightness of, of that movie and the action to what is essentially a slow burn of a hero's journey in rocky it had to take a while to grow on me and as I began to watch it more and more, as I began to appreciate Stallone as an actor and the story he was trying to tell, as I began to appreciate more soundtracks and scores, like these are things that I started discovering more of in college, uh, the James Horner's and the Alan Silvestri's and then Bill Conti and that famous which everybody knows, but what they don't know is everything else around that that is equally as powerful. That's when Rocky, the first entry, the original entry, really started to grow up for me as a movie. I've talked about it several times on a handful of podcasts, you know, either as part of an episode like we're doing or sort of, hey, I I recently rewatched this and let me tell you why it's awesome. And I would have to say it's probably one of, if not my favorite sports movie because of a lot of the stuff that it does uh warrior is a 1a i think for me and i think it's because warrior really gets me crying i don't cry a lot i'm very i'm very stoic when it comes to like my emotions warrior makes me cry rocky doesn't but rocky does so much more in a way that doesn't feel heavy or over the top so if you if you watch the rocky movies as they evolve they go from soft a little bit louder a little bit louder and then rocky 4 is like boom explosions and fireworks and then rocky balboa sort of scales it back a little bit and i think that's why i enjoy both the first and last entry the most is because they keep that tone of a character that is struggling to find out who he is what is he made of is this the life that he wants and the original entry in A two-hour time span allows us to discover Thalboa, get to know him, see what his vulnerabilities are, see what his strengths are, laugh with him, and struggle with him, and eventually triumph with him when he goes 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. So for me, getting a chance to talk about this is a no-brainer. In fact, I was talking to my, my buddy Aaron, and I said, yep, I'm doing the Manly Movies podcast. And... I'm doing Rocky, and he goes, "Yep, you're the man for the job. Nobody else. I couldn't think of anybody <laughs> else because because it's great. I mean, Rocky is a fantastic movie. It's also not for everybody. And I think that if you are like me, if you've grown up in the '80s, Rocky IV is always going to be your favorite for a number of reasons. But I think it's kind of like when you like Godfather Part Two, only because Godfather Part One exists. So there's right. you know, Godfather Part Two is my favorite of those two, but it has to have the first entry in order to make it what it is because there's so much setup. By the time we get to Rocky taken on Drago, which is a rock and roll match with amazing choreography and fantastic soundtrack and a you know pitch perfect uh training montage, you have to see where it came so from. So good. You have to get to the the origin story. You have to see okay, where does the and ironically, Rocky Four does not have the run up the steps that everybody is, you know, that Rocky is famous for, which I think is very interesting. But for me, it's one of the best uh, training montages because of everything that happens in it. The fact that it takes place in Russia, I think, elevates it. You know, like who trains in Russia the way he does? <laughs> he's running through snow. And he's yeah. running through snow and he's got this epic beard. I mean, it's all this cool stuff. We're not talking about Rocky Four, but <laughs> the fact is, <laughs> Rocky IV couldn't exist without the original. And so as I was watching it for, for this episode, I just started paying more attention, you know, scene by scene, what's going on here. And as I told you before we started, I've got so many notes here. Uh, but there's there's just something magical about the way that this whole movie is crafted. You know, how it starts, you've got a simple title card with Conti's, Famous theme music and the words Rocky just kind of moving across. That was a consistent choice throughout all the movies uh, for the most part. And then it drops in to the scene of this dirty club, I think it is, with a picture of this painting of Jesus in the background. <laughs> and you got Rocky really just brawling with Spider Rico. The the room, you could, you could almost smell the beer and the sweat uh, just by the way it's lit. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's dirty, it's grubby, it's amateur uh there's beer on the floor, like a guy's got you know his glass of beer sitting on the floor, kind of dudes, you know people are smoking, and Rocky's just throwing punches like I would personally. this is me, you know, but I wouldn't have the same kind of power, and then the scene kind of finishes up with spider throwing that headbutt and it turns a switch, you know it turns a switch, you know like he does in a in a mm-hmm. you know in the uh the the arm wrestling movie. It's like a switch. Uh anyway. He, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Over the voice. top. Over the top, thank you. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what it was. I was like, I know that movie. Um <laughs> and I love the way that Rocky just reacts, takes him out, and it's not clean, JB. It is just it's him just wailing on the dude. And it's not mm. even making I mean he's he's hitting him for sure, but he's not making like clean shots. This isn't this isn't like like Floyd Mayweather. Doing his thing and just pop 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 and you're going down. No, he's huh. like, all right, you you really pissed me off, and I'm gonna throw throw punches at you. And I think that that's apparent when he finishes because as he leaves, you hear people say, "You're a bum, you're a bum." Like, Why is he a bum? He won the fight. Well, maybe it's because he doesn't look like a boxer because he's not. He's a fighter. He's not a boxer. Hmm. And uh, and that's a that's a central theme through this whole movie where he he never changes who he is. He's always going to be a fighter but he needs people around him to sort of navigate those waters and refine the way in which he's going to fight Apollo. Uh, And it's not until probably the third act that he really feels like, okay, I can do this. But even then there's apprehension. And I, and I love that. I love that vulnerability. And to me, that's a theme throughout this whole movie is Rocky's vulnerability. When we think about Rocky, we think about big muscles throwing haymakers wearing the, the stars and stripes trunks that the Apollo gave him. What we don't realize is that he started out as just almost not a weakling, but someone who didn't have a lot of confidence. And he Mm. sort of carries himself in a way that is this physicality says, yeah, I can break your thumbs, but in his heart and his mind, he's like, I don't want to do that. So there's this really interesting dichotomy, this really interesting sort of, conflict inside this character that I just gravitate towards because I think that's who men are I mean if we're talking about the fact that you know men what does it mean to be manly and I think Rocky sort of puts an interesting spin on it as a movie Rocky is one of these characters that he can fight he absolutely can fight but can he care can he be vulnerable and as we find out throughout the course of the film he can how he does that is really really interesting and so, yeah, that, that's kind of my love for the movie comes from all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, I, and I wish more people would appreciate that about, about the, the character and about the film is that it's just very much about a man's journey to reconcile this totality of who he is, not only as a fighter, someone who's physically capable of taking anybody down, but also someone who can lay that down for the sake of opening himself up
0: in particular, to one individual person,
1: and that being Adrian.
0: Right on, right on, man. Um, I'll say this: this franchise, and I didn't realize it until I went and rewatched them again last year. And it had been a while since I watched them, and I, and I can say with confidence that this is probably my favorite franchise ever. Period. You know, and and grow. I, I love the Ninja Turtles. I love Batman. I love the MCU. I love. The Three Ninjas, you know, like I just, I grew up on a lot of cool stuff. Karate Kid. Yeah. But man, Rocky is something that I'm always going to come back to. And that's something that I watched as a kid. You know, I I grew up in the late 80s, early to mid 90s. And I think, um, I don't think I watched any of these in theaters. Yeah, I, I think I might have watched Creed in theaters, but... Yeah, I was too young, but I did watch them on TV growing up, and I remember my mom got me the Rocky 1 through 5 VHS box set. Oh, where they're all like connected? Yeah, it was like a big American flag. I remember that, yeah. I I still have that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, I remember having that, and I remember watching them, and what's funny is when I was younger, my favorite was Rocky 5. (laughs) <laughs> when i was little oh, and i mean? guess i guess it was because <laughs> it was him getting into the street fight yeah. with the uh, with his uh, with Tommy gun i just thought that was really cool but as i got older obviously rocky 4 became you know one of my favorites and I realized how bad Rocky 3 was. However, it does have some things in it that I do appreciate. I, mean, I can talk about that on another episode. I'll probably go through all these eventually. <laughs> uh, but Rocky 5 has some redeeming qualities. That's just a natural progression of the Rocky character to be that mentor type guy. And I think it was
1: better executed in Creed. I think that the ideas in Rocky 5 found a lot more solid. Execution in Creed, that made more sense. You know, Rocky's career was over, and he was looking. He he was sought out, or he sought out, uh, you know, Adonis, which I thought made a lot more sense. So I I think you're right. I think that that mentoring ideology is there. I just think the execution was was more solid in the Creed, the Creed duology duo (laughs) pairing.
0: (laughs) Well, it's it's going to be a trilogy. It will be a trilogy, but right now at this point, it's a duo. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah absolutely yeah rocky rocky five is the worst of the entire franchise i i'll I'll admit that now, but you know rocky the original i have to say is my favorite of the of the franchise, even more than Rocky four, even though Rocky four is so good but i love that for i love that movie for totally different reasons it's just that is just rock and roll it's a know? masculine movie i mean
1: like it's a it's a it's a dude's movie. Yeah, and I think that it should be that. I mean, you, can, dude's ripped. I mean, do you see, when he takes his robe off about the fight? <laughs> I mean, the guy is about in the best shape of his life. This is Stallone's like prime, and I'm like, dude, if I could have a six pack like that, like for one day, I would give up. Some, you know, I would give up a lot for that. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So if if Rocky Four is rock and roll, then Rocky is more like jazz maybe like yeah yeah it's I can see that yeah it's softer and and you have to really be paying attention to get it (laughs) and so yeah it's it's I appreciate it a lot more as I get older man it's just one of the greatest underdog stories ever told Uh, one of the greatest sports movies one of the greatest romance movies like it's just it has so many different elements in it and we'll talk about that more. I'm going to go ahead and give the spoiler warning. We haven't really been spoiling it that much. But man, this movie is almost 50 years old. Go watch it. Don't listen to anything else because we're about to get into the nitty gritty. Uh, we're going to spoil the heck out of it. Um, so uh, without further ado. <laughs> but yeah, I did watch it when I was younger. And I think as I get older, it just it's deeper and deeper ingrained into who I am and And how I was brought up and and i I feel that that uh character of Rocky and I guess because Stallone poured so much into it and you can kind of feel his heart come out in it, and with every iteration, you see a progression of Rocky and that character, and it all you get it <laughs> and it all starts with that first one. so moving on, what are some moments in the movie? that just really stuck out to you? you know, we're calling them manly moments or whatever. Um, I know you said you had a lot of notes, so just hit me with them, man. What, what all st- stuck out to you in this film?
1: Well, I want to talk a little bit about Rocky's vulnerability. And from a technical standpoint, I think this is when Bill Conti's music is really, just really, really influential. If you watch the movie, you don't hear a lot of music. There's not a lot of just background stuff going on. Most of the time, it's just dialogue, it's sound editing, it's background noise, dot, you know, just different things like that. And there are very specific times when Bill Conti's theme, the Rocky theme, plays as a soft piano. So it's this, this gentle bum, 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 just really, really gentle. And it's always in a moment when he is in a vulnerable position so there's a moment i think it's when he is uh outside gazo's car we find out that he is i think it's funny that he wears glasses but he's he's you know he's a hitman he's a a leg breaker as mickey says and gazo finds out that he didn't actually follow through with breaking the guy's thumbs because he has compassion for the guy So that shows a little bit of character right there which I think is really interesting. You wouldn't think a boxer, a street brawler would be one to do that. But you have Gazzo essentially sort of berating him, not in a like father son kind of like you're you're stupid, but he says, you know, at the end, he goes, you know, how do you spell Del Rio? He goes, it's in the dictionary, Rock, get it, you know, figure it out. And Rocky's left on the street by himself. You know, the car leaves and then the first instance of that theme comes out. Then you see later on, he takes Marie home where he's he trying to take her out. You know, he's she's hanging out at the atomic hoagie with these guys, you know, bad influence, and he goes to this whole <laughs> spiel about what it means to not act like a whore. He says, You don't have to be a whore, you just have to act like one to get a reputation. And he leaves her, she walks up the steps, and she goes, Hey Rocky, and he goes, Yeah. And she goes, Screw you, creepo, which is kind of a funny moment. Then you hear Conte's music again while he's saying yeah, who you are Who are you to give advice, Creepo? So we have this self-deprecation that starts coming out with him. And then, again, it's uh, one of my favorite uses of this. I mean, again, it happens over and over again. But he is with Adrian at one point. It's just after he's accepted the fight. And he says, um, he's, he's, he's walking, he leaves the house, her house, and he says, Yo, Adrian, you know how I said that stuff doesn't bother me? She goes, yeah. He goes, it did. And again, she's the only person he can tell this stuff to at that point in the movie. But that music, when it's done so effectively in those quiet moments, it shows how vulnerable. It really echoes his vulnerability and how, man, he's scared. He doesn't know who he is. Doesn't have a lot of confidence in himself. Same thing when he goes after uh, after Mickey is trying to get him to be his manager, and he does this whole tirade. Uh, which I've done before, I don't know if you've done this, where you just sort of yell at nobody. I do this in the <laughs> car sometimes when I'm just really frustrated. And I hope and pray that people in the cars around me aren't hearing me because that would just be embarrassing. But who are they to know me? <laughs> and then that music comes in and we see him walk out the door, giving Mickey a hug, and then you know, shaking his hand so we know that there's an agreement. But then on the flip side of that, that same music is used to elevate his ambition. And so when the music is really full, like with the bump 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 I mean of course it triggers mm-hmm. the great montage that we love, the run, the lead up to the to the uh, to this what would eventually be the the top of the steps where a st- the statue mm-hmm. would be. And I think that when you look at those scenes, uh, the other one that's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, it's just after it's just after the scene with Mickey. You see him get up, turns on it's four AM and he turns on the radio i think it's like 25 degrees outside he puts i think it's five yeah five eggs in this (laughs) glass and he drinks it and i'm like dude are you serious with this (laughs) but i think it's one of my favorite scenes jb because it shows you know you feel the cold you feel how cold it is in philadelphia 28 degrees Drinking that he slowly wakes up, and even when he's cracking the eggs, you can see his eyes just kind of he's trying to open them up. He gets out, he drinks it, he goes out to the front of the street, nobody's out there, it's quiet. That music starts playing. Uh props to the guy, by the way, for running in a set of Converse All-Stars. There's no support in those shoes. I can tell you right now, there is no support in those shoes. <laughs> So, definitely not
0: good in 20 degree weather either.
1: No, I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're running through the streets of (laughs) Philadelphia in 30 degree weather and Converse All Stars, you are a man. Okay. You're absolutely (laughs) a man. But, but all those things, I think that as you watch this movie and pay attention to that, you see how that music sets up or reinforces these moments where he feels insecure, where he feels like, man, do I have the answers? I don't know. And I think that that was by design, because how do you, you know, if you're if you're Rocky, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile? I'm scared, but I need to do this. I'm scared, but I need to do this. And so I saw a lot of those things as triggers to let us know we're seeing a real Rocky. We're seeing a Rocky that nobody else gets to see except Adrian, honestly, and maybe Mickey to a point. But it's really him and Adrian who are the center points of vulnerability. He and Mickey have sort of a an understanding as far as mentor mentee, you know, trainer to trainee and I think watching how he his body language and the way in which he kind of self-deprecates it's something about that that if you want to call it manly, I think it's about recognizing your vulnerability, recognizing the fact that you don't have it all together and that you don't have to berate yourself necessarily but you have to recognize that you have limits. And I think throughout this movie he recognizes that. He recognizes that he can't beat Apollo and that he doesn't want to beat Apollo. He just wants to go the distance. So those types of moments help reinforce the fact that he's not reaching so far out that it's going to be completely impossible for him to quote succeed. And I think having those quiet moments allow us to connect with him in a way where we are Given permission to be vulnerable, to be scared, to be able to say, "Yeah, who am I to say that?" (laughs) To give advice to this girl when I'm not, you know, maybe I'm a creeper or creep, not creeper a creepo, (laughs) because I think at one point he even tells Adrian, "You know, there's a lot of creeps running around. You want me to walk you home?" (laughs) You know, you you always know a creep, and I wonder if he's actually talking about himself at that point. (laughs) But, (laughs) But yeah, I think I think conti's music is such a phenomenal part of this movie that goes beyond just having great themes it really does amplify each scene because there's not a lot of
0: music in here. Yeah. And what's funny is, you know, when she calls him a creepo there, I think that's part of the fact that he doesn't really, he doesn't have, as we talked about, he doesn't have a whole lot of confidence and he doesn't really know how to talk to women that, that well. And especially young girls, like what man is going to come up to a girl, even, even, even a girl that he knows that's not like, I don't know, his, niece maybe like if it, i think i think uncles will talk this way but i don't I don't think a random friend would would say don't act like a whore you know what i mean like it's just it's just weird right uh, and it, it comes from the fact that he doesn't know how to talk to women he doesn't he's never been that close to anyone to know what to say and what not to say so when she calls him a creepo well yeah that is kind of creepy said so come walking this girl home and telling her not to be a whore but, I mean, it's good advice, but it's just coming out wrong. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's, for sure. He doesn't know how to present the advice. Well, he doesn't have an edit button, JB. I mean, the fact is right. he doesn't know how to be a,
1: a, a socially acceptable person. I mean, what we know about his history, his parents have passed away. We don't know if they were both killed or if he grew up with them. He doesn't have any other family apart from Mickey and the gym, which I think is why he reacted so really so frustratingly when Mickey quote put his bag on Skid Row (laughs) by giving up his locker. I mean, he's had that for almost a decade. That's his life. That's who he is, has Mm -hmm. been. And Mickey's been the closest to a father, I think in some regard, but as we find out, Mickey really hasn't been a great fatherly influence, nor do I think he wanted to be that. And we find out that Rocky has to sort of make it on his own. So all that we see in the first half of the movie is him really going off instinct. He knows that you shouldn't be a creep. And I think he feels this sense of obligation, not as a particular role model, but as a human being to say, look, you don't need to be hanging out with these guys, Marie. These guys are going to treat you like you think you want to be treated, and then they're going to just throw you away. And I think part of that is that he sees the best in people. And I think that's one of the other moments that I really pulled out is that he wants to take care of people. So we find out early on, he doesn't want to break thumbs. You know, the guy offers his coat and he goes, no, keep your coat. You know, it's cold out here. When he talks about he, um, when he talks about Polly, you know, Polly is just, (laughs) I love this character, by the way. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And he grows on you, by the way. If you're watching the movies, you know that, that he becomes sort of this just interesting character, not a lot of roundness to him, but he's just lots of fun. He's the, he's the brother, the brother-in-law that you're like, okay, I can tolerate you. But in this movie we get to see reconciliation with Rocky and him. In fact, I think at one point he says to Adrian, your brother's a good guy. He's just a little off a little bit, or he he gets, he gets a little frustrating. And um, I love the fact that he sees the best in even Polly. Like there's reconciliation mm-hmm. near the end of the movie, just before the fight, where Polly's holding the bag for him. He's talking to him and he says, Hey, there's an opportunity for him to make some money off you. And he said, Hey, Polly, if you can make money off my name, make it. And I think that's fantastic. I think the mm-hmm. fact that, and that's not the end of their relationship. I mean, Polly clearly <laughs> does something wrong that leads to the events of Rocky Five. <laughs> but the fact <laughs> is, rocky sees him as family he's frustrating and the ability to see the best in people or see the better part of people i think is something that is a very manly trait because the fact is if we're disciples if we're looking at the lives of other people the instinct for us is to think how are they going to make me look as opposed to What can I do to elevate the things that are good about them? And it means encouraging them verbally. It means bringing them alongside you and endorsing them. So him being able to say, I can't, you know, if you can make money off my name, go ahead and do it. Rocky's not the guy that's going to be like, I'm not wearing that robe because I don't want that stupid meatpacking plant on the back. He's like, (laughs) asked him how the robe felt. He goes, it's a little big. And that's about it. So I think we see that throughout the movie that he, even with Apollo, he absolutely respects the guy to a point where he's almost scared to face him. But he even defends him early on when Apollo's on the uh, on the television in the bar, and he goes, he makes that famous line, "Be a thinker, not a stinker," and he kind of <laughs> denounces becoming a an athlete. Which I'm like, come on, really. <laughs> Do you really, be a lawyer be a, be a whatever but yeah. don't be a sportsman like yeah you don't know what life's like in 2022 <laughs> being an athlete's not a bad gig at this point but yeah. uh but yeah rocky looks at him and he even kind of defends him to the bartender he says he's the greatest in the world you don't you know whatever and you know he he took a shot and it leads to the end of that scene where the bartender's like i'll take a shot and you know takes a shot of whiskey or something and drinks it <laughs> But I like that about Rocky. I like the fact that he looks at each person for the most part and shows compassion and being able to look at people that way at first glance, as opposed to being like, Hmm, what are they going to get from me or what are they going to try to take from me? Man, we need more optimism. We need more Mm -hmm. grace in that kind of approach when it comes to the people that we don't know that well. And it would lead us to those great relationships that we see him have with Adrian I mean we we know from from the movie that he's been coming into the pet store ever since he got cuff and link his two turtles I'm assuming that they were little when he got them so we know that he knows Adrian and they've been sort of acquaintances for a long time mm-hmm. but he and her their relationship I think like you said JB is such a magical relationship yeah. and if we want to talk about marriage if we want to talk about marital relationships and the ability to honor each other i think this is a relationship that helps to personify that because he gives her strength she gives him strength and i think one of my favorite lines is in the meatpacking plant when paul is like what do you see in my sister and he says she's got gaps I've got gaps together. We fill in those gaps (laughs) or if Mm -hmm. Jerry Maguire is going to come in and say, you complete me. I think a lot of the great lines on a lot of the great moments that we see in movies today or in the last 15 years are taken from Rocky the (laughs) training montage when he's running across the, uh, what is it with the ships in the background? That's something that Mike Tyson's punch out to put in their little training (laughs) thing. I mean, I was like, that's Rocky. That's Rocky right there. And when he says the whole gaps, comment i mean it's clearly nodded to in jerry Maguire when we get the famous you complete me but that that's i mean that's a true statement rocky Mm -hmm. and adrian should not fit together and they don't they're completely different and he goes i'm dumb and you're shy i think that's how he describes their relationship (laughs) but together they work and i think it's because they work and their ability to sort of I would say culminate that relationship, not necessarily sexually, but intimately allows him to make, uh, to, to push forward and to be able to be successful in his fight against Apollo. It allows her to stand up to Polly. There's a great moment around Christmas where she gets right in Polly's face and basically tells him off where she probably wouldn't have been able to do that before she and Rocky had gotten together. So there's something about this love story that, Plays into both of their lives independently. And as you find out watching the rest of the movies, she becomes such a great counter to him. Like she grounds him in a way that I don't know any other kind of female, male, you know, any kind of relationship does. And I think that's what makes me fall in love with them as a couple is that he realizes that he can be vulnerable with her. She over time feels like she can be vulnerable with him and we see the body language just change over the course of the movie when he takes her out for thanksgiving ice skating <laughs> she's dressed so conservatively she's got the coat on she's got the hat she's got the glasses she doesn't smile when she looks in the mirror and adjusts her glasses like this and and then of course that leads to their their night of of romance which I, even today i'm still a little kind of uh, force himself on her, you know, he put himself, you know, put his arms and didn't let her leave, but the internet's kind of divided on that. <laughs> but the fact is, after that, we see her open up more. We see her smile more. There's a great scene when he's leaving her house after the interview. It's before he says, you know, you know, that stuff didn't, how I said that stuff didn't bother me, well, it actually did. Before that, she makes a joke. He said, what'd you think about being called out on TV? She goes, I didn't like it. He goes, really? He goes, no, I didn't. Or I did or whatever. She's the way she says it. It's just so dry. (laughs) And he goes, hey, and then she comes up to him. She gives him a kiss. And it's just very sweet. I think that both of those characters rely on one another to a point where I don't know that he would have been able to do what he did. And I don't know that she would have been able to change the way she did. <laughs> you know, to, to quote Rocky IV, if I can change, you can change, we all can change. We all
0: can change.
1: <laughs> but I, I love their relationship. And I love that, I won't call this like a model for how relationships should be, <laughs> but I think that if you're married or if you have, uh, if, you're, if you're looking at marriage as a, as a part of your life, as something that's going to be a part of your life journey, This is one of those relationships that I think in some way shows how vulnerability and the ability to open up, to not not hide things from your spouse, to be able to honestly say, I'm hurting, and to trust that your spouse isn't going to just kind of go, that's stupid, or sorry, I'm going to keep playing my video game. I think that the irony of the fact that she's what softens him, she's what allows him to open up more and to say the things that he does. And as a result, it allows her to open up more. I think that's what makes that relationship so beautiful. And um, not that I want my marriage to model Rocky and Adrian's. I mean, I don't want to be a fighter and I don't want her to work in a pet shop or anything like that. But <laughs> I I like it on so many levels because they really do need each other. They really do fill in those gaps. And, you know, you don't get that a lot. You get people that you know are, are together because... They want to pull from one another. They want to kind of suck the life out of one another. Like, oh, I'm going to be with this person because they make me feel better. Well, yes, that's true for Rocky and Adrian, but they also recognize that they're able to provide something of importance to one another. And I like seeing how that plays out through the course of the series, but it really takes a deep dive in this first entry.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that first date, and I will. what I have to say about that is – what he said in a nutshell was I'm dumb and you're shy. Well, that's how I feel about that first date was, you know, she's shy in that she doesn't, she, she wants to further this relationship and she wants to make a move and get closer, but she is just reserved and kind of needs him to make a move, but he's too dumb to to know what kind of move he needs to make. So he's just like, Hey, why don't you come sit down on the couch with me? You know, it's a nice couch. I don't know. With all the beer bottles in the back. I thought that was hilarious. All the <laughs> yeah. beer bottles
1: are just sitting there right in the couch cushions. I was like, that's classy right there, Rob. That's <laughs> like, classy. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Didn't even clean up the place. So, it's like, you could say he forced himself. I don't think it was like that at all. I just think he was trying to get her out of her comfort zone. I think they were reading each other in that whole thing. Saying like come on in, come on in. And she does. And, you know, he, and he just, he tries to get her to sit down with her. And then when she leaves, he said, I don't want you to leave. And yeah, he puts his hand in front of her, but then he doesn't go in to kiss her. He says, I want to kiss you. Like he tells her beforehand, like, I want to kiss you. And then she doesn't kiss back. Right. Like, and so he's like, And then he goes in again and then finally she does kiss back. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's him being dumb and not knowing how to read the situation and her being shy and not wanting to open up or, and and even though she really wants to be with him, like, like they're attracted to each other, but they're both very awkward in how this, this whole first date happens. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point,
1: JB. And I think when you look at that scene and break it down into its parts, He says, he goes, I always knew you was pretty. And she goes, don't tease me. And he goes, I'm not. And he kisses her on the cheek. And her body language says, no, sort of. But I think you're right. I think it's because they're both in uncharted territory. It's not like he's been with all these women. And Adrian is like the next conquering trophy. Mm -hmm. He never forces himself on her. He never uses his brute strength to like pin her down to the bed it's this kind of wrapped up dual sort of thing happening when they start kissing each other and they sort of make, start making out in front of the door. And I think when we recognize that kind of history, that kind of personality difference where it's almost like there's this great movie called the other sister that came out in 1999 Mm -hmm. and it's these two, it ends with these, or it didn't end, but It involves these two characters who are mentally disabled and they're trying to live together and they're trying to be intimate with one another. And we think it's very cute. But what if the man had accidentally like pushed the girl? Well, we would forgive that. Why? Because he doesn't know any better. And I think it's because of the scene prior to that. I mean, they go to the ice skating rink. And he talks so much. He's so <laughs> nervous. Yeah. But it's only with her that he can talk this much. Like, I don't think he's ever just been rattling on. Because he wants to impress her. He shows her his fight pictures. He <laughs> tries to, oh my gosh, he tries to explain what Southpaw, the origin of Southpaw is. <laughs> not true at all. But cool, man. You, know, do, you do you, Rock, okay? And by the way, the guy at the skating rink was totally skimming them. They were not out there for 10 minutes. They were out there for like three or four. He just kept saying five minutes and then 20 seconds later, four minutes. I'm like, dude, you are just raking this guy for $10, whatever. Anyway, but I love the fact that he is trying to get comfortable with her. He's trying to make her feel comfortable. And I think that his self-deprecation is both honest and it's a door that says, listen, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just trying to get to know you. But I think it's that history it's not like he just met her two weeks ago. I mean, he's known her for several years now. She's worked mm-hmm. in this pet shop from the beginnings where he's known Budkiss, By the way, manly moment, any guy who loves a dog is right on. You have to love dogs to be a guy in my opinion. Absolutely. And so, especially big dogs. I've got two in my house that I absolutely adore and one snuggles and one doesn't. And I'm like, you know, I can, I can live with that maybe. Uh, but the fact is, <laughs> we know that they have this history with one another. So it doesn't feel unlikely that on the quote first date, they're going to be that intimate. I think they've been sort of dancing around one another. And so with that context, I think I can be more comfortable with what's happening there. I have the 2022 brain watching this thinking me too, thinking all this, like that's inappropriate. Did he rape her? And, we have to, we have to think about the context. We have to think about the fact that he does not have these social skills. He doesn't understand Mm -hmm. what it means to, you know, when you're forcing, you know, that no means no. But the fact is you're right, JB, she's been mentally abused by her brother. I mean, Mm -hmm. she has probably had some, he's probably hit her a couple of times. And I think the fact is she's probably nervous because She's never been out with a guy, and here's this dude with these muscles who fights, and he's done nothing. And and look at the scene. He sits on the couch at the other end of the apartment, and he says, you want to have a seat? He doesn't get close to her. He doesn't try to touch her in inappropriate ways. And even when he gets close, the only thing we see is him holding the door because he doesn't want her to leave. He's like, look, I'm a good guy, and I believe he's a good guy. I think we all believe he's a good guy because he's shown Mm -hmm. that he's a good guy. He's not a womanizer. I think the scene, it's just, it I think even in today's vantage point, it's just hard to watch because of what we know and how things get manipulated. But knowing that context, it's its an easier thing for me to watch knowing that he's not trying to manipulate her. And we see consistently throughout the rest of the movie, one, she likes having sex. Let's just say it what it is, because she wants to be intimate with him. This is another great relationship moment. She. Tries to tries to not seduce him, but she tries to get intimate with him while he's after he's worked out. He's got the blanket on him. He's like, "Adrian, I can't, please, I'm just tired." <laughs> and she goes, "I'll go make the meat." And he gets up and he goes, "Adrian, I'm sorry." She goes, "No, no, it's okay." He says, "No, no, I'm sorry." And I love that embrace. She brings him, you know, he brings her to him, wraps him, wraps her up in the blanket. And of course, the next day. <laughs> And Mickey's like women weaken legs, you know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no. like, but yeah. I really like this girl. Well, let her train you, you know. <laughs> <And so laughs> yeah. is great in this, but uh, uh, but yeah. So, so I think those scenes tell us that he's not manipulating her. One, he sticks around. He absolutely adores her, and I think that scene had to happen in order for them to kind of connect intimately. Do they have to have sex to be intimate? By today's standards, probably not. But the fact is, both of them are in this place where they don't really know how to navigate those waters. And that seems like the way that you should. And so for that, I can, quote, forgive them, or I can accept the way that this sort of transpires because of what happens afterwards. The fact is, he doesn't just have sex with her and says, all right, Adrian. Deuces. I'm going to go up to the gym now, and I'll see you. You know, when I see you. Nope, she's right there by his side. If she, if he could be, if she could be in his corner, literally, without freaking out, I think he would allow her to. But of course, no. <laughs> he says, "You stay back here, but don't leave town." And uh, yeah, I I'm, I've become more okay with that scene with that context.
0: Yeah, and at the end, and, and a lot a lot of people, you know. This is a sports movie and so most women don't want to watch it. Like my wife has, has still never seen it. And eventually it, eventually it's going to happen and because it, it is more of a romance than a sports movie. Like it, sports is the backdrop and there's the cool training montages and and there's a lot of boxing in the movie, but deep down it's about Rocky and Adrian, especially in this movie, but this entire franchise though. Like, and at the very end of the fight, when he, uh, at, at, when he goes 15 rounds with Apollo, what does he do? He wants to see Adrian. That's all that matters to him. He doesn't care that he just went the distance with Apollo, that nobody else has gone past 12 rounds. He's looking for Adrian and there she is like that in that encapsulates the movie. That's a bookend to what we've been watching this entire time. Right. It's, it's a romance. Yeah. Um, but you can talk about the, the the boxing too I mean there's there's manly moments in that 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 whole training montage the dedication <laughs> that that he has because and he goes on to say like he he fully admits to Adrian that he can't beat Apollo all he wants to do is go the distance like he, he understands that that this is a a battle that it's kind of anticlimactic kind of because he's not going to win he knows he's not going to win yeah. he knows he doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell against this guy but if i can go 15 rounds with him and and take him push him to his limit then i'll feel like i've accomplished something yeah and man like just to know that that you really don't have a satisfying ending like 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 a fairy tale ending but you're going to do it anyway because that's what that's what that's what you have to do to to yeah. to prove your worth as an individual and as a man. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Well, and huge... this is something that
1: I, I I'm kind of working through with my son. My, my wife and I are really trying to work on this. He's nine years old. He's got a real sensitive spirit, which I think is fantastic. Uh, more men need that. And my wife and I are, we're not polar opposites, but we approach parenting differently. And I think every set of parents does this. They have their own vantage points. He's going through this period right now where he's really good at soccer, and there are opportunities for him to play more competitively, and I think he's at a point where he's like, I don't know that I want to do that. I had a rough spring season. There was a lot more physicality that I wasn't really used to. These are my words, not his, but just sort of what I'm inferring. He's also someone who likes to be perfect, and that's part of his personality. If he doesn't get a 100 on the test, he like he's messed up or he messed up. He didn't get this one answer right. And that scene that I mentioned earlier, that first run through the city, very quiet, gentle. We see him not he's just gently jogging. Like I started I started watching his gait very, very closely. He doesn't run very fast. And he gets to the steps and you see him just struggle to get up those steps. You see him holding his side. He's got those side stitches. And then he gets up there doesn't raise his hands and he just starts slowly walking back down. And that reminded me that we have to do things a first time and that they will be hard. It is rare that we do something the very first time and it's easy and we get it right. I have the the privilege of of I've been taking a martial arts class for about, you know, the last year, have absolutely enjoyed it. And there are still things that I struggle with. There are things we we spar as part of our our testing, and the last couple of times I've just gotten lit up, and I'm so out of breath, and I'm like, oh my gosh, when am I ever gonna not feel like I'm just getting devastated here? When can I get a a shot in that's gonna feel like, oh yeah, that was not just me wailing or me. Tr- this is not me being rocky, but I'm really being strategic, like Apollo, and getting a good punch in or getting a good kick in, and I still struggle with that. But the fact is. I have to practice and do it over and over again. And that eventually there'll be a, a light bulb moment. I think for Rocky, going the distance, knowing what your goals are, knowing what your limits are, and being able to push to those limits, maybe beyond. For him, he recognized that his his vision, his goal was not to beat Apollo. He was very he was realistic, and I think that's important. Be realistic about who you are, what you're capable of. Will I ever be a famous filmmaker? No. Should I aspire to be? Maybe. But is that really the goal? Or should it be just to make the next movie that I can appreciate? Or from a martial arts standpoint to be able to memorize a taekwondo pattern or to be able to spar for three minutes and not be winded? That's a goal. And so I think having an appropriate type of goal an appropriate type of vision for what you can achieve and not trying to overreach because that overreach will end up being failure that could be detrimental. I think Rocky has a healthy understanding of what he's capable of doing. And there's that really fantastic moment where he's laying with Adrian in his bed. He's in the fetal position. and he, he says that, he says, I just want to go the distance. Nobody's ever done that with the champ. And I don't think that's a failure on his part. And I think that's what leads to that last scene where both he and Apollo are like, you stop this fight, I'll kill you. <laughs> or, don't you stop this fight. <laughs> they both have learned to mutually respect each other. And I think that that's obviously what leads to their their budding friendship throughout the, throughout the series. I want to talk a little bit about Apollo. I think he is such a great contrast to Rocky, not only in his personality, but I think he brings a couple of life lessons to the table. Uh, one being, it's that um, you cannot... One, you can't hang on your laurels. I think that that's pretty obvious that you have to be able to approach every challenge as a new challenge and not like, oh, yeah, I can totally do this. But I also think that Apollo is one of those characters who represents this level of arrogance that can lead to humility. A couple of things I found out I found in this in this viewing. The dialogue is really interesting. They're looking through this book. I don't know what this book is where they have all these fighters, and how does Rocky get his name in this book <laughs> but they're they're trying to find a fighter and he sees Rocky's name and he's getting excited and his uh, italian stallion Italian stallion <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a dang monster movie. I love, love, love Carl Weathers' delivery of these things. Yes, he is so so good. good. He is so good. And his uh, his trainer says he's a southpaw. I don't want you hanging with those southpaws. And what does he say? He says southpaw, nothing. I'll 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 drop him him in three. three. He's so nonchalant (laughs) about facing Rocky because he's only concerned about how it will look. Everything's about publicity with him. Later on, when his trainer is watching the news broadcast of of Rocky going just crazy or hitting the mess out of the meat. He goes, champ, I need you to see this. And, uh, he, I don't remember what he says, but you can, if you listen closely, this is not a response to him. At one point, Apollo says, I want to make sure my barber, uh, is in Philadelphia for the fight. Later on in the, for the fight, the commentator say something about, I've never seen somebody so concerned about his hair. Apollo is not taking any of this seriously because he sees it as a fantastic publicity stunt. And so when he gets tagged by Rocky in that first round with that uppercut and gets taken down, I mean, it gets real, dude. It gets absolutely real. And I I looked at that and I said, you know what? (laughs) There's your humility right there. Your your humility was was a right to the face that knocked you down. And now it's time to recognize that you are not all that in a bag of chips, and it's not about you know capability. I mean, obviously Apollo was equally able to go fifteen rounds with Rocky as much as Rocky was with Apollo. Mm-hmm. So watching them fight, watching them sort of go toe to toe, it was about not about equal talent because the fact is Apollo is a superior talent. And mm-hmm. we find out, spoiler alert, in Rocky 2, when they rematch, Apollo is clearly the better athlete, clearly. Mm-hmm. When he trains, <laughs> I mean, he can train. But what we see is both Rocky and Apollo genuinely respecting one another. And they know that going the distance and being able to outfight each other is what they need to prove. Apollo has had all of his, I don't know, his pride ripped away in one, one punch by being knocked hmm. down. He's got to get it back. And so the reason he says... Don't stop this fight is because he wants to knock the dude out, but I think more than anything, he wants to make sure that he doesn't get knocked out, doesn't lose the fight, and more than anything doesn't lose his respect, which really becomes a through line for Rocky two. I like Rocky two, I have disagreements about it being made, but of course it gets us to Rocky oh. three, four, three, and four, so I'm fine with it, and I think what they what they did with the storyline made a lot of sense, and there are some really great moments with. Rocky and Adrian specifically about, quote, being a man that, that really come to, come to fruition. So Rocky II is just as good. Rocky could have been fine by itself. That's why it won an Oscar. But, but yeah, I think Apollo sets the tone for not only an antagonist, but for a person who is honestly looking at what the world can give him as opposed to what he can give the world. And I think that's where Rocky is different in his relationships with Adrian in his relationships with the street and his relationship with the sport, he is seeing what he can give by going the distance, uh, not only, you know, and also for himself. So I I love their, I love their, their, uh, their, their opposite nature of one another. And it it creates a really fantastic,
0: uh, dichotomy for those two that leads to a great fight. And you mentioned about, one thing you said about rocky 2 that it made sense that that's how i feel about every single progression of rocky with all these movies is they make sense for the next step in rocky's career and like it, it's just the, this series is so grounded man like it's just you just that that's why i love it so much because i, I i'm very grounded in in my in in film that's i i appreciate groundedness in films and and being r- realistic so yeah but what you said just kind of hit hit me there because uh that's how i feel about all the rocky movies because they're, they all make sense right so but as far as uh creed goes you know, one thing about this film that people don't really talk about is that it it completely flips the stereotypical script here because you see the white savior trope in, in all these movies that played out or whatever that's that, that gets played out so many times throughout, throughout film. But in this movie we say a, we see a very rich and successful black man who is giving an opportunity of a lifetime to a poor white hustler. (laughs) So it's, 1976 guys (laughs) this is right um the writing in this film was way ahead of its time that's just cool to me
1: yeah And, and i think that the movie recognizes it because at some point maybe it's during the press conference that they're talking about is there any significance to a black man fighting a white man on the country's biggest birthday and he said i don't know is there any coincidence that a white man's fighting a black man on the country's biggest birthday i'm, I'm butchering the the line itself but there is clearly a recognition about the fact that we have a a ra- not a racial divide but we have this ideology that it's not two white guys fighting or the fact that as you mentioned a black fighter is giving a white guy a chance yeah. to to do this, so I think there is some nods of recognition at the fact that this is different. This does flip the script a little bit, and I think that what Carl Weathers does so well in this is that he embraces that that confidence and that arrogance i mean even if you if you watch i mean watch the walk up music <laughs> rocky doesn't have any he's sitting there with Nothing. He's just got a spotlight on him. He's got that giant robe with the meat packing advertisement on the back. Hmm. And opposite of that, you have Apollo riding in on a boat, dressed as George Washington, <laughs> and eventually as Uncle Sam, patriotic music. <laughs> Rocky's 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 response is so great, he goes, Looks like a big flag, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Rocky would say. He's not like he looks amazing. Uh-huh. But it's such a great opposite look, and it's what I think makes Apollo such a fantastic character, because he, even when he is sort of joking around with Joe Frazier, what a great kind of meta moment of like an actual boxer coming in. He's like <laughs> Joe says, "You've been you've been ducking me for too long, man." I says, "Come on, Joe, come on, Joe." <laughs> but at the end, I really believe this is Carl Weathers when he when he looks at. Joe Frazier goes, Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier. I really think that's Carl Weathers being like, I just shook hands with Joe Frazier. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fantastic. And being able to, at that time, you know, 1976, when when this movie comes out, to have that kind of matchup, I think the movie, I mean, I think it does give a nod. It's like, look, this is something that maybe color shouldn't matter. Maybe it's not about, it, it was never about black and white, obviously but i mm-hmm. think that there was for stallone as the writer i think it was something where he was like it doesn't need to be so absolutely like obvious but the fact is let's put this charismatic guy who could play this role in into this character and i think it paid off it was absolutely something that that was it was fantastic. So yeah, I love Apollo, and I love I love their relationship. I love how it blossoms, and I love at the very end they both just hug each other. <laughs> I say hug each other. They both kind of lean into each other, and they uh, they kind of collapse. And they said, "Ain't gonna be a rematch." <laughs> 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 of course, there is. Don't and, want a rematch. Yeah. <laughs> don't want one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's
0: – Oh, great stuff, man. That's uh, very good, awesome. man. Uh, yeah, I I I absolutely love the Apollo's character, man. Carl Weathers just plays that so well. And the fact that he's just this American patriot dude and and he, and he plays that throughout the the and and it comes to fruition in in Rocky 4, you know, where he's got the James Brown uh, <laughs> thing. It's just Living awesome. In America. I, America, exactly. Uh that's just his character, man. And and I think and this is me reading more into this than than is out there, but it's I think he just loves this country that's given him this opportunity to um to show off his talent and his athleticism and be as successful as he has been. Yeah. So that's just his the pride that he has for his country. Yeah. And it, it spills out into that. So fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, want to touch on Mickey because obviously he is a huge influence for Rocky. He is a guy that I think more than anything is that friend that is just going to be blunt with you going to absolutely just tell you like what it is. There's this one scene where Mickey tells him that uh, they're looking for sparring partners for Creed. And I think Rocky looks the at the at the message and he says, "Oh, they're looking for sparring partners for Creed." And he goes, "I just said that, you Jago." And I don't know if Jago's derogatory, so if it is, I hope you don't get an E for this episode. (laughs) Probably is,
0: and then (laughs) like an Irish cuss word or something. (laughs)
1: But Rocky says, "I want to know why you've been sticking it to me all these years." And you want to again, if you want to talk about callbacks, this sounds a lot like the exchange between Lieutenant Caffey and a few good men where he's, uh, he's um, cross-examining uh, Jack Nicholson's character. I can't remember his, his character's name. He's like, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Uh, this, that rhythm, the way this sounds, it's a lot like a few good men, but he says, uh, you had, he says, you get the talent to become a fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker for some cheap loan shark. It's a waste of life. He's not wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: He's also not completely innocent of this because later on in that great scene where he comes up to the apartment and tries to convince Rocky that he wants to be his manager. Rocky says um, something like. Oh, I forget the line, but it's basically he says. Uh, oh, I can't remember anymore, <laughs> but it's.
0: He he. Why didn't he's you ta- come to me ten years ago or something? Yeah, like that. yeah. essentially he's saying that. So I needed you. T- I needed you ten years ago, and you weren't there for me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah,
1: he says that, and I that of course leads to that that rant. I don't think he was wrong for saying that. I mean, where were you when I needed you? You know, I wish I had a prime that I could actually mm. say that I was there. I mean, I'm past that now, and I think that Mickey needed to hear that. I think Mickey. With all the knowledge that he wants to give Rocky. Which by the way, I don't think Mickey I don't think Mickey's motives were the same as Polly's. Polly wants to make a buck. When he found out that Rocky was gonna make 150K from the fight, (laughs) the first thing Polly says was, Hey, you need somebody to help you train, you need somebody to, you know, whatever. (laughs) And he's like, No, I'm good. Mick follows up with it, comes up the stairs and goes to this whole thing, goes, they didn't have no management. they didn't have this and I could, I've got all this stuff I want to give you. I want to protect you I don't be, I don't think that Mickey was lying. I don't think he was looking for an edge. I think he actually saw this as an opportunity. He didn't want Rocky to Rocky to waste it. And so being able to see how Rocky honestly says, you know when I was around eight years ago and you called me a bum, now that I got this shot. I can't disagree with Rocky. And I think he needed to be able to hear Rocky's frustration, which by the way, I think it did carry into the street where we could hear it. Oh yeah. But I think that quiet moment afterwards, we don't know what was said. We know that Rocky was, you know, he, he put his arm around him and then he eventually shakes, shakes his hand. But my guess is he says something about, I know you can teach me some stuff. Yes, I'd like you to manage me. But I don't know that it could have been as effective without him going off on Mickey and saying exactly what I think Mickey needed to hear, which is, I'm sorry. My house stinks. Stinks! Stinks! (laughs) Stinks! Also, I want to live in a house where I can just throw darts at a wall at a door and not have any kind of not a dart
0: board, just a wall a door. Just a wall,
1: you know? That's the bullseye, it's whatever I want it to be, fool. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh man, it was so good. <sighs> but I think and Mickey almost I, I, I wanted to remember him saying, I'm sorry, when he's sitting in front of the bathroom door, but he doesn't say it. I'm like Mickey. Just apologize, dude. That's all he wants to hear is you apologize. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Yeah, I, I, okay, I, I want to give you this knowledge. I want to take care of you. And uh, I, nope, nope. Oh, and that line I was speaking of, it's, <laughs> he's, he was talking about Rocky Marciano. He says, yeah, he's got heart. And he goes, he goes, that's what you got, Rocky. You got heart. And he goes, yeah, I got heart. but I ain't got no locker, do I, Mick? I was
0: like, burn, <laughs> dude. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: So I, oh. I love their relationship. And it's so cool to see how Mickey trains him. And then near the end of the movie, right before the fight, Mickey's talking to the cut man. And he's not talking. I think Rocky's leaving. He's about to talk to, to Polly, But you hear Mick just sort of praising him and saying, man, he goes to the body like nobody else. We can win this thing. And Gosh, I mean, I hope that Rocky's hearing that in, in the back. Of, I hope he's mm-hmm. hearing that. And and being encouraged because I think that's what he needs. And so it's really cool to see how Mickey really does believe in Rocky, but I think that he also recognizes that he's made some bad decisions and that this is an opportunity for him to correct those decisions, for him to be able to to really lean into wanting to be a real fighter. I also like the fact that he doesn't make him change anything. I mean he does help him with his footwork. He said, Here, you know, that little he said, this little string it cured rocky he had the same problem you did about balance and i gotta tell you man watching these guys in their boxing sequences at the training montage and elsewhere as a guy who does kickboxing a few times a week that's hard it is very difficult it's like the fact that these guys go 15 rounds 15 rounds yeah, of three no. minutes apiece, and you're like oh that's only 45 minutes i'm like really no that's like 400 <laughs> hours is what that is <laughs> Because it is it's is hard. I mean, I went three minutes and I was completely worn out. I'm like, oh I gotta do that fourteen more times without <laughs> going down. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. So yeah. I just I think Mickey I love his bluntness. I love the fact that he genuinely does care about Rocky, about his well being. Um, you know, where where would that be if Rocky didn't have a a shot at the title? I don't know. And so there is a part of me that thinks, well, would he care if he didn't? I think he would. I think the fact is he doesn't want Rocky to fail. I think he sees this as something that it's a chance of a lifetime, as the promoter says. You can't pass it by. And um, you know, that's something that I pulled is that we we need people around us that are going to encourage us to do the things that we're meant to do. And so if we can confide in them and they know that we have the capabilities and we're squandering that for the sake of a cheap, you know, second rate or cheap consolation prize like being a thumb breaker. For some guy who's gonna pay me twenty bucks a job, we're missing it. We're absolutely missing the thing that we're supposed to do. And so we need the Mickeys in our lives to be able to say, you have the ability. And if we want to talk about disciple making, we need those guys to come around us and and open up to them enough to say, All right, show me what you want to teach me. I'll listen now. And that's what we get with Mickey.
0: You know, we can look at this as you know hindsight is 2020 as disciple makers we should want to take people uh earlier than Mickey does um so I'm I'm not saying that what he did was right in in waiting until he has this opportunity and then he wants to help him but I kind of feel like Mickey was just kind of waiting to see if Rocky was actually serious with with what he was doing because, yeah, you know, he was a thumb breaker, and he was he was working for this loan shark as just like a some muscle, and he was just doing this boxing thing on the side, and so I, I guess Mickey probably never really took him seriously. I thought he, I mean, you could probably think that he was just doing this to stay in shape, really, you know, because all these fights, he was just he was a brawler, and he never really like did anything with it, and. Again, like I said, he's still making this horrible living that he's doing. So you can say that maybe he was just waiting until he saw that Rocky was serious and he wanted to take this to the next level and then he stepped in. So good or bad, whether he went about it the right or wrong way, I understand it is what I guess I'm trying to say.
1: Well, and that makes sense, JB. We've got this idea that if you're really serious about something, you've got to be the one to make that decision. Because otherwise you're casting your pearls before swine and we don't want that. I mean, I could pour the knowledge that I have about something, whether it's something spiritual or something educational into the life of someone else. But if they're not going to hear it, if they're not willing to do the work to have that, to get that impact from whatever it is. If I give them a, here's what I learned, here's what I think you should do if they're just going to ignore that or if they're just going to say cool I'll just it's not easy for me to do I'm going to do something else well are you really investing are you really providing that opportunity and is that person really worth investing in and I'm not saying people aren't worth it but you have to be very careful about the folks that you you pour into because sometimes you are casting your pearls before swine and it takes a lot of discernment to realize okay does this person want to get better? Does this person want to take the next steps to get over this addiction or to get beyond the place that they're in to, you know, metaphorically get up off the mat, knowing that they might get knocked down again. If they want to stay down there, maybe it's, maybe it's not worth it to, to make that investment. Maybe it means, I don't know. And and I, I don't really want to be the pessimist. I mean, I think everybody's worth fighting for but i also think it's important for us to have discernment on how we how we fight for people because sometimes people just people don't want to be fought for and mm. it's um it's a hard thing because if we genuinely love people we see the best in them but sometimes relationships can be toxic and we have to let those things go so i think you're right i think mickey wanted to see does rocky really feel like he wants to take this journey. and If he does, I'm going to offer up my services to him. I'm going to offer up my life to him and give him everything that I feel like he needs. Is he going to succeed? Who knows? And yeah. the fact is, he does in his own way and eventually you know, takes the title. And, and and that through line, the, the Mickey and Rocky storyline plays out really well in Rocky 3. Mm-hmm. So being able to, I think that's the success of this series, honestly. And why I like it just as much as you do is that these characters are not wasted. None Mm -hmm. of them feel like they're just cast off. Even Spider Rico, man comes back in Rocky Balboa in, (laughs) in a nice small, but slightly important way. I think that's a great, it's a great finish to the, that character, same actor (laughs) and everything. But I like that Rocky as a movie doesn't waste the characters that it introduces us to. Like there obviously there are characters like the promoter, we don't see him anymore in subsequent franchises, but you've got you've got uh Apollo's trainer that becomes a significant part of the franchise for Rocky. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, Apollo, and then you got Polly, Adrian, Mickey, I mean, all these these main characters that stay with the franchise in a way that make a whole lot of sense. And their and then their departures, when they do happen, are Huh. appropriate, heartbreaking, <laughs> but but also impactful to the story. And they create reasons for Rocky to continue to do what he does. Because he's the I mean he's the anchor of all this, obviously. You don't call it like Creed or Polly one, Polly Two, Polly Three, or Adrian one, <laughs> two, three. It's Rocky one through four and maybe five. And Rocky balboa And so I think that uh, you know seeing how these characters start and how they relate how they're connected to Rocky as a character is um is is just fantastic
0: yeah, and like just as you follow Rocky in every iteration of his films, and you see those who are really close to him that he loses with every like and you know rocky three he loses mickey rocky four he uh, spoiler. <laughs> Rocky four, he loses. Uh, Apollo. Rocky five, he loses. Adrian. So it's like this guy is just everybody that he's ever that he's getting close to. He, you know, he he is, he ends up losing. So it's just, I don't know. So, something about death makes you really close to a character, in my opinion. And so I just, as I follow it, I'm like. I guess that's probably why it's my favorite uh, franchise because I just, I love Rocky and I want to wrap my arms around him. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, what other, what other fighter or what other, you know, athlete do you feel like has that kind of vulnerability that you just want to give him a hug and then he would take that hug. Yeah, exactly. And I I think, as you mentioned, things that turn the movie on its head or turn traditions on its head is that thing that you just mentioned we have a character that we don't want to fight and we don't think is the hero but he's someone that we want to be part of his crew we want to be in his corner literally and metaphorically and we want to encourage him we want to not cut his eye that's gross but we want to tell him <laughs> um you're doing fantastic you know, hit the one in the middle the, you know we want to be that yeah. guy that stands alongside him and and I think that's a component of of disciple making that is, it needs to be reinforced that we need to celebrate the successes of the people that we are around. We absolutely need to be able to, as men, as people, as followers of Jesus, we absolutely have to be able to and should celebrate people's successes instead of being envious, instead of being like, man, I wish that happened to me, or man, I don't think they deserve that. Man, that's a terrible attitude. If we had. Who's in our corner? That's not the question we need to be asking. The question is, whose corner do I need to be in to mm. celebrate what they're doing? And when, they, when something amazing happens to them, whether they get a book sold or they write this amazing song or they get some kind of recognition as their friend, as compadres, as brothers or sisters or whatever, we need to be able to come alongside them and say, I am so proud of you. What can I do to continue to help you succeed? And I, you know, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with jealousy. I struggle with seeing people around me get things that I wish I could have. And to me, I think that's just a product of flesh saying, "I'm incomplete," because the fact is, the completeness of my life is ultimately going to be when I'm with Jesus, like hmm. paradise, and the depravity of living. In this body and living in this world that is (laughs) baked in sin is what makes me feel incomplete. And so there's this constant need to have the next thing, to buy the next thing, to download the next thing because it's going to make me happy. It's going to make me happy when the fact is it's not. The remedy for that has been celebrating other people, hearing the Mm -hmm. news about someone getting a promotion and saying, Hey, man, I just want to call you up and say, That's awesome and you deserve it and I want the best for you. Uh, What can I do to help you on the journey? The job that I have allows me to lead people. That's what I want to do. I want to say, how can I help you be successful? And that's not disciple making. I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. I think that if we are the corner men for the Rockies in our lives, Mm. we find satisfaction in that. And the fact is, JB, we we are Rocky in some instances and we need the people in our corner. We need our cut men. We need our Mickey's and we need our Paulie's and we need our Adrian's. But it has to work both ways. The yeah. world cannot revolve around our successes. and The world can't revolve around who we are. It has to be mutual about, okay, how can we pour into other people? Because we have what other people need, and other people have what we need. And we need what other people have. And if we don't recognize that, then we're missing a big piece of what it means to be a community of, of believers. And more broadly, just a community of people. I think that allows us to love a little bit easier for people that are the polys in our lives. The ones that let say, I don't sweat you. <laughs> the ones that, mm-hmm. that say, shut your freaking mouth. <laughs> and the ones that, that tell us, you know, I don't like who you're dating. You know, what do you see in my sister? <laughs> and we have the ability to just talk to them in a way that says, we you know, she fills in gaps. <laughs> so um, I think the movie teaches us a lot about, how we do need people We do need each other. And the fact that we're all broken, we can find the things that make us who we are and who God sees us as. And, um, and I think I see that with, with Rocky, you know, I think he sees beyond the physical. I think he sees beyond the social because he recognizes his own humility. He recognizes that he doesn't have it all together. That self-deprecation, I think, is a good indicator of that. But he also recognizes that he does have something to give, and he does have something to receive. And to me, I think that's a healthy balance of being of what it means to be human is to know that you both need to give and you need to receive. Because if you're doing more than if you're doing more of one than the other, you're probably living an imbalanced life at that point. Especially for especially for believers. And so, I yeah, I think uh, Rocky, in a lot of ways, is uh, is a great disciple. Maker and a disciple, uh, discipler and a (laughs) disciplee. Yeah,
0: and and you mentioned that you're you're talking about being the encourager and for the Rockies in your life, and and you know pushing other people to do things that that you'll never do. And I I've I've seen that just in my own disciple making because I I've discipled two guys that have gone into full time ministry but I'm not in full-time ministry. You know what I mean? So it's like, I would love to do that, but God chose something else for that for my life. And, I, and I'm, I'm happy in that, but it's taken me a long time to be content with that. You know what I mean? Cause I, I want to go on and do this. I want to lead worship full-time. You know what I mean? But that's not really what, what God chose for me. So it just took me a long time to be content with that. So to pour my life into young men and see them their successes and what they're doing it's just so rewarding man so i that's why i, I can be drawn to people like polly who are just there to, to support or, or mickey or even you know apollo as as after he retires so yeah that, that's good stuff man did you have anything else? Because I, I I wanted to throw my favorite line out there.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. I mean, I've got I've got tons of stuff, but I think I pretty much hit everything that I want to. I thought it was interesting. You know, um, Rocky runs everywhere. He's always in athlete mode, and even when he's um, just kind of going down the street, you see him kind of do the, the shucking with his uh, with his fist. You know, he's mm-hmm. always in just fighting mode. I think that very consistent for his uh, for his character. I, I love uh, Mickey's line. You're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. <laughs> like, I hope somebody says that about me when I'm at a sparring match. I'm like, okay, hopefully I'll eat lightning and crap thunder. That might be gross though. But uh, yeah, other than that, I think um, there's tons I could go into, but I think that's pretty much it for me.
0: There's so much to unpack, man. You just, you don't have enough time for it. I could do like a whole series just on this one movie. But I, I I gotta throw it out there It's my favorite line in the whole movie Probably my favorite line in the entire franchise And it's 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 funny But there's a lot of meaning into it as well When they're out on the ice skating rink And Adrian asks him he says Why do you want to fight? And he says Because I can't sing or dance <laughs> And it's it's <laughs> hilarious, right? Yeah. It's, it's a great line It's perfect, it's funny But it, there's so much into that, too, in that, you know, Rocky feels like he doesn't really have anything else to give other than fighting. Like, that's something that he's good at or that he's he's okay at, he thinks. You know, he doesn't have a whole lot of confidence, but that that's the, really the only thing that he's ever known, the only thing that he's ever done. So he's just kind of accepted it. Like, I can't really do anything else, so I might as well fight. Like it's just so nonchalant for him. Like it's not like a desperation thing. It's not like, you know, I have to do this. But it's it's just, it's just what I do. You know, like <laughs> like it's just. I, I don't know. Yep. I, that's just always. I, I've always loved that line, mainly because it's so hilarious. But there's <laughs> a there's a lot more depth into it than just a, being a throwaway funny funny gag. So.
1: Well, I think that speaks to the fact that he knows who he is. Because I'm a fighter fighter's fight. And that's echoed later on in the series that this is who he is and he can't deny that. And so I think sometimes more on the spiritual side, if we are followers of Jesus, we have to be able to define that clearly. What that what that looks like. And it can't be by what we do. It's who we. It's we have to define ourselves by who we are. That was a line that was echoed in Top Gun Maverick at one point and this is not a spoiler. <laughs> um, Maverick says a pilot is not what I am, it's who I am. And I think in the same way, Rocky, by saying that, I can't sing or dance, he's not saying I can't do anything else. I think he's saying this is who I am and I cannot change and will not change who I am. But I don't think it's out of like frustration or out of angst. I think he just recognizes that this is who I am. And to change would be to make me less than who I am. And I you know, the way the way he says it obviously is very very hilarious. It's yeah. uh and his reaction is so great, he goes, because I can't sing or dance. Hey. <laughs> I don't even know what that, like, is he looking for her to like slap him or something? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah,
0: it's a great line, man. It's a great line. I love it. I love it. Well um that that was good. I, I enjoyed it man. Uh why don't you Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, or maybe just talk about your podcast. Yeah, I can be found on Twitter. I am at Shoeless Patch. I'm fairly active
1: on there, at least in the scrolling arena. I don't post a lot. That's usually left up to my podcast partner, Heron. He handles our face, or excuse me our our Twitter account, Feelin Film. So I'm a co host of that podcast, The Feelin Film podcast where we really look at movies from an emotional standpoint as opposed to technical those types of things do come up on the technical side but really only as they relate to emotional connectivity And so what you'll find is really a, a large catalog of movies that we love and why we love them and so you can find us at feelingfilm.com. our twitter is at feelingfilm. we have a facebook group we have a discord group at the same name so you can search for us there a lot of activity going on in both those. A lot of great uh, conversations from people who watch a ton of movies. And more than anything, we just try to keep uh, that. We we call it positive honesty. You know, if you don't like a movie? That's cool. It might not be your favorite, and that's fine. We are firm uh, proponents of the idea of like what you like. There are no guilty pleasures because you should not feel guilty about the things that you like. So check us out. We have a large catalog at this point. We've been going strong for probably the last six years. And uh, like you mentioned, JB, you've been on, check out the, uh, check out the uh, varsity blues episode. It's a good one as a way to kind of get yourself <laughs> into it. And then, yeah, check out everything else. we got lots of good stuff there.
0: Yes, sir. And I've actually started a, a new Facebook group called the man group. So if anybody uh, wants to check that out, it's for men only. And it's just, we talk about dude stuff, <laughs> which is, it's, it's fun. And I haven't, Announced this yet? But I'm gonna go ahead and say it now. If you want to support the show, you can find it in our show notes. I have uh, a, a PayPal account set up just for the show, just to kind of help to make this show better. <laughs> so if, if if you like it, you know, just you know, show your support. And also, if you like it, if you wouldn't mind giving me a a good review on iTunes um, or Apple Podcasts, whatnot. Write out a good review and give us give me five stars. <laughs> if it's one star, just don't do it. Just 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 don't don't do it. If you don't like me, just just ignore me. <laughs> don't, don't 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 put anything on there. Don't be
1: mean. Don't be mean people. <laughs> yeah, you know, keep it positive. Keep it honest and well. Keep it positive. Yeah, if it's honestly a one star review, just yeah, keep it to yourself. Nobody
0: needs to hear that. Just shoot me a. Private message if you don't like it, <laughs> and I will take your tips I promise you I, I I don't mind uh negative criticism, but we try to be positive on here that's Absolutely. actually feeling film was actually where I was kind of influenced to do this, just kind of looking at film from a different perspective. I kind of get more on the emotion side here, but more on a uh, on the scale of manliness and and you know, what it means to be a man, a father, husband, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know, props to you guys. Y'all, y'all been a, a major influence. And so thanks for coming on because that, that, if it weren't for you, there would be no Manly movies. So
1: oh man, I appreciate that, man. We're glad to be a part of your world and um, continue to provide good content when we
0: can and lots of good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you all got to get me back on there, man.
1: Well, we got to pick one. I'll, I'll reach out to Aaron and see what we have coming down the pipe. See if there's something that you might be interested
0: in coming on and
1: dialogue with. Dialogue I've, been trying, with us.
0: I've been trying to get y'all to do breakfast club for years, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what, what may happen is if he's not down for it, uh, we have an eighties guru in the wing and I might do, um, a trifecta with you and him on breakfast club and give Aaron a break for a week. Cause, uh. He's uh it's our buddy, Adam Rakoff, who we've had on for our Back to the Future trilogy, as well as Karate Kid, Never Ending Story. He's, he's our resident eighties fan. Yeah. So yeah, if, if that, if that happens, you know, it's, it's going to be a conversation that people are going to want to listen to. So we definitely have you on for that.
0: Absolutely, man. That's, that's one of my favorites, but uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, check out all those uh, things that he just mentioned. I'm not going to go through them again. <laughs> Rewind it. That's a '90s word. I guess we still use that. You do, I'll, so
1: it's still used. If you I, use it, it's still used. That would be rad right. or cool or I guess cool is still. I mean, cool's been around for years, but far out, man. All right. <laughs> now we're taking it back a little bit. Blew, uh, yeah, wait a minute, hold on. A little bit, too <laughs> bit far. All right, don't be a right, square, right. JB. Don't be a square.
0: <laughs> Sit on it. <laughs> Happy days is here again Alright cool <laughs> loves Chachi Alright right. this has been fun I've enjoyed it We'll do this again sometimes But until next time All you men out there You just remember You've got to man up